Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast crossover with uh, the Forum Club. Lakers Warriors, second game this season, second game in Staples, second time the Lakers have gone up big, but only the first time they've won. Um, and I think we knew, uh, although Jovan Buha, who is with me on the Forum Club side of this, although we knew that the the Warriors had come back in that same building this season from 19 down, you knew it wasn't happening tonight. You knew, I, I mean, I felt like end of the first quarter, I knew it was over. Yeah, the, the, this was a, uh, it just felt different. And I, I know you, you've you been you know following the Lakers this season, obviously, as you're uh, on our weekly podcast. And it, it just, th- there was a different verve to the team. You know, the, the, it just was a different zip. Like the, they had a, a, kind of control over the game early on that we just have not seen from them in the first quarter. Like if you look at recently, especially in this 80 list uh, stretch, they've really struggled in the first quarters and have had to kind of dig themselves out of deficits and, or, or just kind of these funky starts. And uh, they, they just jumped on the warriors from the start. And, and it was, this one was over. I mean, like you said, by the end of the first, but definitely by halftime. Yeah, and it was from the Warrior side. It was the opposite of that. This was as as lifeless as they've been in a while. I mean, they came in. You know, the the Lakers have been in a rut lately. I, what's their whole? You know, what is it? They've lost like five or seven, something like that. Um, the Warriors was they had won three in a row, and really, if you go back to their road trip when they lost, it was these late game collapses that they outplayed the the Magic and Hornets. Should have won that game, and if they if they had close out those two wins they would have been on seven game winning streak um, this is the best they've been in what had been a choppy season and it was kind of leading up to hey they're about to go play lakers blazers suns can they make a statement going in to the all-star break of like hey they're more dangerous than we thought they were and then they go down to la and even without davis they're just kind of outclassed from the start um you know there there are reasons for it. They, they turn it over twenty times. They fouled a bunch, which is something they cleaned up. They've been a really good defensive team all season, fourth in the league right now. Um, but early in the season, they were fouling a bunch. They they hadn't lately. That was a problem I thought in the first quarter. They just hacked the the, the Lakers are so much more physical than them. They kind of physically took over the game, and once they did that, the Lakers have a set defense, and and they just stopped the the Warriors pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, uh, from the Lakers side, I, I look at the 38 free throw attempts. Uh, I believe that's a season high for them. Um, and, and it was, I think, 32 going into the fourth quarter. So had this been a more competitive game, you know, you could have easily seen that in the 40s, which is rare. Uh, 60 rebounds, including 14 offensive. Obviously, the Warriors didn't shoot well, only 40%. But, um, you know, th- th- that was a pretty big gap there. Uh, and then the three-point shooting, which cooled off in the second half. But... Uh, you know, I, I tweeted in the first quarter, like when the Lakers are making their threes, they're basically unbeatable because they they pretty much win in spite of their three point shooting, you know, not because of it. But when they're actually hitting threes and, and taking them, um, you know, like they're pretty low volume. They still only took 31 tonight, uh, which, which was fewer than the Warriors, but they hit six in the first quarter. I think they had nine at halftime. And, and you know, when they're shooting like that, like it just. It, they're so hard to defend because now you you have to defend them at the three point line, but then that gives something up for LeBron on, on drives or, or Dennis Schroeder on drives. And um, I just thought th- this was one of their most complete performances of the season for sure. And, and the fact that this happened without Anthony Davis, um, and now they've had a couple of these performances back to back, it's 
it's pretty encouraging for them heading into the All-Star break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. What I wrote about for the website was basically, um, you know, the, the Warriors have created this identity of top five defensive team that's going to score enough using either a Steph Curry, you know, big game from three or just Steph Curry's gravity creating, you know, just assist after assist for Draymond Green at the basket. Slip cuts, back cuts, just different stuff that, that Curry has created. And, and they've generated a pretty good offensive rhythm. Now, they're still an average offensive team in the league. Uh, but when, you know, if you're 15th ranked offense, 4th ranked defense, you're, you're going to beat a lot of teams. And I think that lulled, you know, maybe them into – no, I don't even want to say a false sense of security, but I just – you've seen – I've seen them beat a lot of these bad teams, Hornets, Cavaliers, a lot – you know, the Warriors lead the, the league in assists, and they do it with – with all this stuff that beats young defenders. LaMelo Ball, oh, he just gave up three straight back cuts to, to Kelly Oubre. Oh, he lost track of Steph Curry off the ball. Colin Sexton, same thing. Like They have really generated a good style against bad teams. You're reminded tonight what the playoffs will look like, what playing elite defenses look like. When you play veterans like LeBron James, I put it in film in the postgame story, just twice he's – he reads what Draymond's trying to do because Dray and he's been watching film lately. He's played Steph and Draymond so many times and he just turns what has been boom, Kelly Oubre dunk into a pick six the other way a couple times. And it's just, um, you're just, you're reminding that, th that what they're doing is probably going to really struggle to work offensively in the playoffs against the best teams. You know, th it's, there's a reason why they're a six seed and, and probably not much of a playoff threat against a team like the Lakers. Yeah, it was a really weird game. Um, you know, Steph started off really slow, and I, I thought that that was kind of like the the death knell for the for the Warriors. Where it, you know, I just I didn't really I feel like I didn't notice Steph out there until like the second quarter, and um, you know, just the the offense overall. I mean, uh, Eric Pascal at eighteen points, and I, I thought had some nice moments. Like that was kind of it for the bench, where everyone else was just kind of meh. Um, you know, and, and we, we, I, I think this is a good time to talk about Damian Jones, uh, because, uh, he, he had a nice stretch Anytime there. <laughs> a good time to talk about Damian Jones. What, what, what did you think of, uh, of his eight minute stretch before he got injured? Well, I mean, you mentioned him getting injured. That was one of his main issues with the Warriors. Torres Peck twice, um, and never really was healthy enough. I mean, you know, he against against a Warriors team at that point playing pretty half speed. He got free for a lob dunk. Um, I, I think he he had a, maybe a little floater that rolled in. He had a, a spike block. But I've seen that before. I've seen a, a, an emphatic Damian Jones block. I've seen some some alley-oop dunks the problem is his feel for the game um and really not much else skill outside of the restricted area i know that's what the lakers are looking for but he i i've seen it i've seen it tried on a winning team before and it's never worked with damian jones so you, you think this is just maybe he gets another 10 day uh at most and that, that's kind of it perhaps and like look if they if if maybe, you know, he's now been away from the Warriors for, uh, you know, a season and a half. 
clearly didn't win many favors. You know, he, he didn't impress Atlanta enough to keep him and he didn't impress Phoenix enough to, to keep him around. So, I mean, like once you have a proven track record in the league that, you know, you're, you're with the team long enough and they go, eh, you know, it's just, it's not there. Um, maybe because of his simplified role with the Lakers, but that, that was a simplified role with the Warriors too. And they gave up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, they traded a pick to, to get off him and get Amari Spellman. So I, I think over the long run, no. I mean, uh, he, he he's a, he's an athlete. Like he's a he's a high level NBA athlete at the center position. He's just he's just never shown enough to to believe he's a winning component um, uh, on a team. It, it, you know, if he can't crack the rotation in Atlanta, can't crack it in Phoenix. I fail to for a team like the Lakers that is that's so veteran savvy that that's thinking about the playoffs. I know they need burst athleticism, but I just can't see LeBron James being okay with Damian Jones on the floor in a playoff game with with what I've seen in his career. Yeah, and and we've talked about it on the podcast before where, um, you know, when you're looking at that center spot for the Lakers and you're thinking about what they need or what might fit, um, you know, my my line of thinking has just been that guy has to be better than Marcus Gasol or Montrezl Harrell. Like, I I know both of those guys are flawed, uh, you know, particularly with some of the the rim protection stuff. And, um, you know, they're not JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard. They're not vertical spacers. Um, or, or, you know, vertical defenders. But, you know, if you're going to enter the Lakers rotation, which is already 11 deep and, and, and kind of in a, you know, bit of a minutes crunch, like you got to be better than one of those two guys. And I just don't see that with, with Damian Jones. You know, I, I know Laker fans are already really hyped on him and um, are probably going to be upset with me saying this. But, um, you know, I, I think he he can't like, sure, I think if, if, Trez or Mark went down and they needed, you know, eight to 10, eight to 12 minutes from him. Uh, he, he'd be fine uh, under, you know, normal circumstances, but that's not the case yet. You know, I know AD's out, but I think that's more of a problem at the four uh, than the five. So I just think w- with the Lakers in the center spot, if they're going to add someone and, and that person's going to actually play, it has to be someone who's better than Mark or Trez. And I, I think the list of available guys that are going to be better than Mark or Trez is very, very small, if any, you know, depending on who hits the buyout market. So um, I'm a little skeptical on them finding a, a clear upgrade, but I could be wrong. And, and who knows, maybe Damian sticks. Yeah, I just, again, like I could see him being around and, and injected in different regular season games to just give them a, a little bit of an athletic boost back there. But in a playoff setting, like he, he he's not the kind of guy who even as a role player, can really chip in in a series he never has so that to me is like i just usually just follow the track record uh on that you mentioned steph earlier and maybe not you know given that full impact in the first quarter it is interesting like the, the warriors really started to gain a rhythm this year this season maybe 20 22 games ago or so when steph had this just crazy you know let's say 12 game stretch something like that where he shot like above 50 percent from three it's when he had um you know the 62 pointer he he just was putting together all these like nine of you know 13 from three 11 of 17 from three those type of nights um over the last eight games he's 31 to 87 35 from three that's not bad you know a lot of there's so many nba players that would take that over a 20 game stretch let alone an eight game stretch but 
for him, I mean, he's he's quieted down from that scorching streak that got him in the MVP conversation. And um, when I mentioned the stuff like I did tonight, where some of that off ball gravity stuff's not working, and 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 smart defenses are cutting down on those slip cuts, and they're taking away Draymond a little bit in some of those passing lanes. Steph Curry to beat a team like the Lakers to compete, you know, even as you look forward to Portland Phoenix this week, and he's going to need to have big nights again. You know, it's it's you could say it's unfair, but that's the burden of of the one scoring superstar, and um, it's just it's been quieted a little lately. He's not playing poorly; he's just not playing otherworldly right now. Yeah, and I, I thought you know he had seven assists in only twenty six minutes, so. He was moving the ball and, and, and finding the role guy. And, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, he, he had clearly had some Steph moments, but um, it, it just felt like, you know, w- with the way that guys have been able to attack the Lakers defense recently and, and not having Anthony Davis, um, that, that was kind of my concern heading into this game. Is like Steph might just go off and if he can get 30 plus, like this is going to be a game going into the fourth. And that obviously wasn't the case. Um, so I think part, part of that is, um, you know, Dennis being back and I, I know he wasn't defending Steph that much, but you know, he, he has just his defensive impact on the Lakers, um, and the ability to play the passing lanes and, and just get them out in transition. Uh, they've been just a much better team on both sides of the ball with him in the lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought, um, th- th- this was just a, a, <laughs> It was just a bloodbath, right? Like it, it, you know, and even when the reserves were in there, um, you know, looking at like the Lakers bench, um, every bench guy w- w- was, uh, you know, plus double digits in, in, in you know, plus minus. So uh, it, it really was like uh, from from start to finish, just you know, the, the Lakers controlling this game. Um, I, I think in, in pretty much all uh, you know facets, and, and that included you know defending stuff. You know, the Warriors have been really winning the Curry-Draymond minutes. They pair those two together because Draymond, at this point, he he's he almost needs to be next to Steph because they, you know, they do obviously some of the pick and roll stuff, and Draymond sees all all the the gravity cuts and everything. So they're unlike most, you know, one two tandems that sometimes are staggered in a substitution pattern. They aren't. They play the full first together. They play the full third together. They come back at the six-minute mark of the second and fourth. And the Warriors have been killing in those minutes and then really kind of bleeding at the top of the second and fourth quarters as they really try to find a unit to survive. And so the fact that they were down 20 when they went to their you know, non-Curry Draymond units, that's part of, like, you knew it's over because you're like, at that part of the game, the Warriors try to get up by, like, eight and then hope that when Steph and Draymond come back in, they still have the lead. So, um, you know, you mentioned the Lakers bench being a plus. That from the Warriors side of things is, like, it's where they're searching right now. You know, they've gotten their centers back. They're trying to find you know, a sweet spot with James Wiseman as they're developing this clear, you know, huge talent who's in, uh, once again, as I keep saying, kind of like the Bambi stages of his career. Uh, and, it, you know, he didn't have a good game tonight. This is, uh, it's been it's been very kind of hit and miss his first four games back. He's played two bad games against LA. He doesn't fit well against contenders right now, particularly smart, you know, centers like Marcus Gasol. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you see, uh, well, Wiseman, I, I thought, um, had some good moments against Trez. And, you know, I, I think that um, we, we actually saw in the Brooklyn game uh, against the Lakers, uh, Steve Nash match DeAndre Jordan's 
minutes to Montrez Harrell's and, and was really able to stymie um, Montrez Harrell's. So I, I thought, I mean, the, the fouls obviously, you know, <laughs> I mean, six fouls in, in 25 minutes, uh, not good. Well, like, it's better than his six fouls in 18 minutes yeah. <laughs> he had in Indiana, Indianapolis a couple of games ago. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a foul machine. Yeah. And, and, and not only is he a foul machine because he is jumpy and huge and he's getting the rookie whistle – he then a lot of the times when he does even on possessions he's not fouling you could tell all he's thinking about is i can't foul i'm coming over i don't want to foul and sometimes you know a guy like dennis Schroeder might slip in a layup because he's like all he's thinking about is making sure he doesn't foul i mean he's in his head defensively right now that's clear yeah yeah um i i think though like you you see the physical tools right like you and and that's kind of been um the, the Wiseman experience. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had him on, uh, my fantasy team. Uh, I play fantasy basketball. And, and so I, I have been keeping track uh, on him. And, and you see like some of these highlights or just some of these clips where, um, only a handful of centers can do those things. But then you, you do see the defensive mistakes. Um, you, you see some of the, the shot selection. And I, I think it, it's just clear that, um, you know, physically he, he has all the gifts. It's just, you know, him putting that together and, and how long is that process going to be? And, you know, for a Warriors team that is looking to, uh, I think, you know, obviously make the playoffs this year and, and hopefully have a competitive showing in the playoffs. And then next year, potentially uh, with, with Clayback, you know, enter that contention group and, and kind of that inner circle, um, just sort of how his development, it, you know, is on that timeline. Because, um, you know, uh, under normal circumstances, I, I think he'd be given more of a, a leash, more of a ability to grow. Um, and, and not that the Warriors aren't doing that, but it, it is just kind of that push and pull of, um, you know, we want to give him opportunity, but we also have to win. And, um, you know, be it going Draymond at the five or, or Looney or, um, you know, Paschko, like whoever, um, I, I think, you know, that that's just kind of the, one of the most interesting dynamics from afar, you know, with, with the Warriors, just kind of how they handle his development and, and how he gets better, um, you know, with, with some of the players he's playing with. Yeah, no question. And they thought this move to the second unit would uh, give him some more exploratory time. I mean, I've, I've talked about the need for him to at times be away from Stephen Draymond, but the mix there hasn't worked. It, I don't, I'm not sure it will with him and Pascal and with Wanamaker at point guard, who's not a playmaker or pick and roll guy. But moving beyond that, zooming out, pretty, you know, relatively uninteresting game just because the Lakers dominated it. Um, let's talk West right now as, as we head towards the All Star break. From the Lakers side of things, who do they end? Who are their last two? Uh, Phoenix and Sacramento. They got a back-to-back. Okay. Sacramento, who had one of the worst <laughs> losses of the season. They, they blew an eight-point lead in the last 51 seconds. It's insane. It's very hard to do. To LaMelo Ball uh, in, the, in the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, And then for the, uh, the uh, Warriors go at Portland Wednesday, at Phoenix Thursday. Um, and for the Warriors, those are two big games because that's they're, they're jostling for, for middle of the bracket seeding. You know, they're, they're right in that like five, six, seven, eight range right now. And those are teams they might need head-to-head wins against, you know, as you look far beyond, as you look towards May. Um, but tier-wise in the West, what have you – I mean, where are you at right now? I, I, I mean, Utah – has cooled a tiny bit, but they've still been the best team in the conference. Uh, Clippers had a loss in, in Milwaukee tonight. I know the Lakers have struggled lately. So let's start up top, and then we can move to kind of that next tier. 
My tier one is the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, and I not a jazz believer, remaining a jazz hater. So, well, I, and I'd almost have it like tier one A Lakers, one uh, B Clippers, and then I, I have jazz the, the jazz on tier two by themselves. Uh, I, I you know I, I think there is a a slight gap between them and the two LA teams, but also a slight or actually a bigger gap between them and the rest of the West. Um, I just think when you know you look at it like they have to go through at least one of the LA teams in theory, right? Like that they're not you know going to the finals without beating at least one of those teams if not both of them. And you know, call me simple, but I when I look at the playoff matchup, um you know, I think with the Lakers, they have the two best players in the series. Uh when I look at the the Clippers, they arguably have the two best players in the series. Um, you know, I, I think, you, you know, depending on how you view Paul George, he is arguably better than Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. You know, I'd probably argue that. So it just comes down to that. And I, I know they're deep. I know they're well coached. Um, you know, I know they've been together. They have really good continuity, but they have a hope, they have a really good home court. And, and who knows? They might be one of the only arenas with fans at that point. Uh, so, so, you know, maybe I'm underselling them, but I, I just, do think that when it comes down to it, the two LA teams have a, a better star tandem, um, and, and that's it's just that's the difference maker for me. I think what's clear, you know, we'll see if Utah um, can prove it. You know, it feels a little bit like Milwaukee the last two regular seasons, where there was points during the last two regular seasons where it's like if you just look at net rating and and all the indicators, we have to consider them a title contender. Then Milwaukee gets to the playoffs and they don't do it. I'm with you. I'm kind of a jazz doubter. They And then when they prove it, I'll admit, look, they proved it and we should have seen it coming in the regular season. But yeah, I, I wouldn't pick them over either LA teams in a series. Now, what's clear is those three are above the fray. Who's 40 right now? Is it, is it Phoenix? I mean, standings-wise, it's Phoenix. But Denver's looming deep down now. I think they're around eight. Um, are you at Phoenix as as the, that next team? Uh, yeah, I, I think for, for me, it, it's probably uh, tier three would be Phoenix, Portland, and Denver. Um I could, you, I guess you could make the argument of Golden State in there. Like Golden State at their best, I think is tier three, and and then at their worst, they're they're probably you know tier four or five. So it really just kind of depends on on how you view it. But I'd probably put bunch Phoenix, Portland, and Denver in the same tier. Although I am most bullish on Phoenix out of those three. Yeah, Phoenix, I'd say at least in the first half of the season. Um, with the Paul clearly still is not, you know, he's, he's not, he's declined from his prime, but man, it's really a slow decline. He's proven that over the last couple of years and, and Booker's on the rise. So I do think they're, they've kind of cemented themselves for now at four. Uh, the Denver stuff's weird. Uh, you know, they've just not had a good first half. I would say coming into the season, I would have said they're the third best team in the West. I don't really know where to peg them right now. I'm higher on the Warriors than Portland. Portland is going to get some some bodies back over the second half, and maybe that changes the mix. But I just I, I don't know. I've seen Portland flame out in the playoffs enough. Yeah. Um. I the Warriors. What the Warriors have done over the first half is they built this defense that is playoff worthy. You know, this fourth ranked defense is. I again, this is maybe in. in um, not the right night to say it because I just saw what happens <laughs> when you defend their action well um, and a team like the Lakers blowing them out. But, 
yeah, I, I mean, that I'm very curious to see these final. It's not even just the final two games before the break. The Warriors go Portland, Phoenix, both on the road. And then after the break, they go Clippers, Jazz, Lakers. So their next five are really, you know, throwing Denver out of the mix, really the top five rivals in the conference. So, um, and when you start that run with the Lakers tonight, it was the six game stretch that was like, okay, Warriors, you're playing well. You've built this top five defense. You have a rhythm. You know, Curry's kind of on the fringes of the MVP mix. Go prove what you actually are. Make a statement over this six game stretch. Didn't start well over on the first of six, but um, yeah, I'm kind of, I think we're in on general in the same range on, on how the Western conference looks going into the break. My, my, my thing with Phoenix that I'm, I'm really interested in is it, it's, a unique situation that we haven't really seen before where um, like aside from Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, basically nobody in this rotation has been on a playoff team before. I mean, I guess going, if you're really going deeper, like, you know, Frank has Frank Kaminsky even been in the play. Like, but I'm, I'm just mainly looking at like Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Um, like th- these guys haven't played in the playoffs before, and, and it's it's usually like the the upstart young team is the seven seed, the eight seed, right? Um, you, you know, going back to the Warriors, like th- they were a six seed against uh, the the Spurs that one year, I, I believe, um, and, and you know they ended up uh, you know pushing them a little bit. But I I just think that it's interesting to see a team like potentially have home court advantage with no prior playoff experience. Um, and again, just looking at some of the young teams that have come up, be it the Thunder, the Warriors, um, and, and different other teams that we've seen be, be you know really good w- with a really young core, they usually have like the one year where they're the six, seven, eight seed, they lose in the first round in a competitive showing. And then that next year they take that jump. The Suns have kind of already taken that jump where you know they're the four seed. They have some gap between them and San Antonio at five. And, you know, who knows, depending on how things play out with, with the L.A. teams, um, with, with Utah, like maybe they jump up even to three and, and just them being in that position, despite having several key guys who have never made the playoffs before. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Booker, Aiton, Bridges, those guys kind of handle that, because we do know there is a difference in the playoffs with, with just the intensity, the defense, uh, the, the shot quality, everything goes to a different level. And the fact that those guys haven't you know, experience that you, you don't want to oversell it, but you also don't want to undersell it where I, I just don't really know how to properly rate and, and, and view Phoenix in a playoff setting. Yeah. I mean, to me, I view them similarly to how I viewed Chris Paul and the young thunder last year. Um, although those the young thunder teams didn't quite have a booker. I mean, Alex, Shea Gilders, Alexander, I feel like, you know, he's taking a, a bigger leap this season away from Paul. Um, but, What's different is to me the West is, is you know that part of the West is not as powerful as it was even last season. You know the Thunder lost a seven game series against the Rockets last year. Rockets don't exist. James Harden's in the East. Um, I personally, probably because I cover the Warriors, and I think this would be a fun series. I'd, I kind of like to see Suns Warriors four or five. Uh, I'm not sure, and you know maybe we say Suns any team. Suns Portland would be fun too, but you know I think. You know, when we talk about a veteran, you know, uh, known commodity with this Curry uh, Draymond tandem uh, against, you know, a, a rising Suns team, I think that'd be a fun four or five. And then winner, 
I was I was gonna say a winner gets smacked by the Lakers, but winner might get Utah, <laughs> honestly. So um, that would be interesting. But yeah, that that's kind of uh, what I'm looking at. What What do you think would be the most interesting Lakers matchup in the first round? Denver, right? You go West Finals round one, and like Denver's looming down there. Like, do we? I, I'm not ready to predict they're gonna leap up the standings and escape uh, that situation. So, I mean, Denver would be intriguing, and then. You could even go down and start looking at the 9, 10, 11 range because this play-in situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where you could get in at 10, basically, if you just play well. I mean, like the Pelicans are a team down there that that if, you know, Zion seems to be figuring it out. And if he just has like a great close, they have talent, that would be fun. I mean, are there any of those other you know, deeper Western Conference teams that haven't had good first halves that you're looking at, like maybe they have a good second half and, and, and slip in and, and they're at least dangerous in round one. I'm waiting on Dallas. Um, I, I know they've had yeah, for sure. a bunch for of, sure. you know, yeah. COVID stuff, but, um, you know, after the, the you know, I, I covered the, that series last year uh, against the Clippers and I walked away from that thinking, you know, this team could maybe be the, the third best team in the West next year. Uh, and that has clearly not played out, but I think Luca LeBron. I mean, they, they had a couple of classic matchups last year. Um, that that one game that Danny Green hit that crazy three to send it into overtime, and and you know Luca and LeBron both had like thirty something point triple doubles. Uh, you know, they, it, those are usually good matchups. So I, I think, I mean, at this point, anything the, the one that would kind of be boring would would be San Antonio. Just you know, I, I don't really want to see that matchup, but. Be it Portland, Denver, Golden State, Dallas, New Orleans, any of those five, I, I think would be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right, Yovan, appreciate you coming on. Combo Podcast, Forum Club, Warriors All-82. Uh, two off days for the Warriors before this uh, Portland-Phoenix back-to-back. Lakers got a couple more interesting games. As, as where you, Do you think they – I got to ask you because I think Warriors play the Lakers third game out of the break. Any chance Davis is back by then? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that that might be like the early end. I, I don't foresee him coming back directly, like out of the All Star break. I, I'd be surprised by that. Uh, but I, I think that Golden State game could be, you know, maybe the first game he's back. Good news for Warriors. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I will talk to you. Actually, we're going to do a Warriors plus minus on the feed early this week with uh, Tim Marcus and Ethan. So talk to you then, Yovan. Send him out. All right, I will be back on Tuesday to discuss the Lakers game with the Suns. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you then.